this is Lissa and Jerry Lee. Welcome to Experience Eden, This Side of Heaven. We hope this conversation will speak to your heart and inspire joy. Welcome back to Experience Eden on this side of heaven. Today we are talking about parenting, integrity, and moral courage. Even though I'm not a parent, uh, this is still important for non-parents to learn, right? Amen. Amen. We were just talking about this. She said, you know what, I'm not a parent. And I said, you know what is interesting? That before I became a parent, and as I was entering into a season of parenthood and praying for a baby, I was just so excited about that and focused on this new life that I didn't contemplate my childhood or really what kind of a parent I was going to be. And that's not to say I wasn't intentional. I very much wanted to be a parent and I took it very serious. But uh, I didn't really um, meditate on those things. And I wish I had, mm -hmm. to be honest, because I think... Parenting is the most critical thing. It is the most intentional thing we will ever do in our lifetime. And even if you never become a parent, you still have influence over children, whether it be family members, nieces and nephews, uh, friends' children. Uh, wherever you go in life, you encounter children. And you have an opportunity to mentor and to guide them and direct them. Uh, in ways that are really, really profound. And so I didn't think about that. Yeah. And so I'm glad that you said <laughs> that because I don't think that your input isn't invaluable because I wish I had put more thought into like, well, how was my childhood? Mm -hmm. um, what would I like to either change or, or improve or not do at all based on my childhood experiences? And how would I like to um, be different from my son? And so yeah. years later, um, when I was like in the in the trenches of parenthood, that's when it really kind of started coming to me like, oh, well, I don't want to do this. And but now I want to try that. And so it was kind of a situation where uh, I wish I had been more intentional. So I think it's super valuable for you to think about these things before you become a parent. Yeah, definitely. Because like you said, I think a lot of people don't think about these mm -hmm. things before parenthood and to actually prepare yourself because that's a huge job. Parenting <laughs> is a job. huge job. <laughs> it's the job. The job. <laughs> so to be prepared for it and to prepare other women who aren't mm -hmm. parents, yeah, I think that's it's imperative. Oh, yeah, it's critical. And but the other thing is that, um, you know, when you're becoming a parent, it's like, you know, you fall in love mm -hmm. and you get married and you have a baby and it's almost like this chronological progression um, that is once you're in the moment and you're in love and you're married or however the situation may be. I know it doesn't always work out that way. Um, but you know, so you fall in love and you get pregnant and you have a baby and whatever the circumstances are, uh, I think sometimes we don't think about, okay, well, what comes after that beautiful birth? Mm -hmm. What, what do I do next? Mm -hmm. And by next, I mean for the eight, 18 years that you're responsible for this little human. And yeah. so it's really important. Um, and I'm not saying you have to have spreadsheets and pie charts about <laughs> what you're going to do. You know what I mean? Often a whole outline <laughs> for the 18 years. <laughs> there is no, there is no parenting manual, but at the same time, you don't want to just wing it either. Yes. You know, you want to do parent, parenting's hard. Adulting is hard, um, but the reality is you wanted to put some thought into mm -hmm. it. And, you know, we talk about all the time and we know as, as believers, you know, our, our treasure is stored in heaven, but our legacy stays here. Mm. And so our legacy is how we raise our children and the relationship we have with them and then how they impact the earth. 
And so it's really important that we think about these things. And I love that you're doing this before you have babies. You know, and jokingly, I say, like, I'd rather not make mistakes and try to correct them. Yeah, of course. Right? Amen. And I've learned a lot from you guys that way, too. <laughs> so I love it. <laughs> Our Bible study, woo, I know there's so many, so many wives and mothers yeah. in there. And, and we try to pour into our um, unwed women mm -hmm. and uh, the women who are not mommies yet because really coming from that standpoint like look this is where I tried and failed and if if my experience and my failure can save you heartache yes it's such a blessing I'll, I'll do it over and over again you yeah. know just to ensure that someone else can experience the joy without as much heartache or a trial and error absolutely I can't tell you how many <laughs> dates you guys have saved me from and man I'm like no <laughs> you're not the one <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so what is the purpose for godly parenting? Well, I think primarily it is, of course, it's in it was in the question, godly. So yeah. we want our children to know God. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so we have to raise them up that way. The Bible tells us to do that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, it has a heavenly and a kingdom implication to ensure that our children know God. Mm -hmm. um, but long before they get to heaven, there is an earthly impact. And so I always tell people, you know, I'm not raising a son. I'm raising a husband and a father. Yes, essentially. Absolutely. You know, and so he's 13 now. Mm -hmm. We're five years away from adulthood. And it's important, more important now than ever, um, that I ensure that he has the tools, the emotional intelligence, and the moral courage mm -hmm. to do what's right, and that integrity. I mean, integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's watching. Yes. Uh, it's easy to do the right thing when you're being monitored. Um, it's easy to do the right thing when there's a consequence or, or a threat of something. It's an entirely different story to do the right thing because it's the right thing. And so as my son's mother, I want to know that he's doing the right thing in my absence. Mm -hmm. And and the best way to ensure that is to raise him up as a godly man, um, that he knows God, um, but that also that he understands that he is not an individual that exists in a vacuum. Everyone impacts other people. And so I'm, I'm hoping to instill that in him so that he has a godly impact on the world. Absolutely. And how do we do this? How do we do this for our kids and make sure that we are being a godly parent and we're teaching our children how to become, you know, young men and young women? Exactly. Well, obviously the Bible. Mm -hmm. So I jokingly said there's no instruction manual to parenthood. Well, there isn't. Mm -hmm. But there is uh, the Bible, which is the most amazing book. And it has so many examples of how to live. And of course, all life situations are not outlined clearly mm -hmm. in the Bible. However, how you should conduct yourself in terms of integrity, honesty, morality, it is outlined in the Bible. And so um, the best thing you can do for your child to ensure that they're raised in a godly way is to live mm. in a godly way. Mm -hmm. um, human beings in general, um, but certainly children or anyone under the head or authority figure in any situation does not do well with hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. We just don't. Yeah. So if our parents are a hypocrite, if our uh, bosses are hypocritical, if our spouses are hypocritical, the natural response to that is to be defensive or to be rebellious or to be defiant mm -hmm. because it's hard to respect what someone's saying, even if it's good for you. It's hard to respect what someone is saying if it comes from a place of hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to tell you to do this, but I don't have to do it because it benefits me to not do that. Yep. Um, and so, and it's in the little things. 
And uh, for example, um, little white lies mm -hmm. or like uh, my son and I went to uh, an all you can eat buffet the other day. And when we arrived, I mean, Ryder's giant. He's five foot nine now. He's 13 years old. Um, and so when we were purchasing food, um, the cashier said, okay, so how old is your son? And my instinct was, I said, oh, he's 13. He's an adult. And so usually, you know, after 12, a kid is, a kid is no longer in the kid menu. And, and he was like, oh, okay. And so Ryder looked at me and he goes, mom, I am so glad that you didn't try to like lie and say that I'm younger than I am or whatever. And just little, and like the fact that he would even catch yes. that. So it's, it's small details that people notice, like, am I really going to jeopardize my salvation? My, uh, my son's opinion of me as a parent mm -hmm. to save like what? 250 on a yeah. buffet meal. You know, it's yeah. just, it's little things like that. People think, well, it's not a big deal. Who cares? I'm, I'm beating the system, you know? Yeah. And it's, or like, you know, you get too much change back at a store. Yeah. You go back and you give it to them. You accidentally walk out of Target with an item you didn't pay for. You march your butt right back in and you pay for it. And it's things like that, that are modeling integrity mm. and modeling honesty. And so those are some minor, you know, silly kind of everyday things um, that people don't do necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, you find something of value somewhere. You don't just take it up and claim it as yours. You mm -hmm. either turn it into an authority or you leave it there in case the person comes back to get it, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, and so I've modeled that with my son. And time and time again, he has noticed it. Mm -hmm. And he has um, complimented me for it. And more importantly is that I then see him doing it. Absolutely. And they're little sponges. Like oh. they really are watching. Good or bad. <laughs> you're everywhere. Exactly. Good or bad. Right. And they're really watching like everything that you do, even mm -hmm. like as a teacher, you know, they're watching every move that I make and they're absorbing that and putting that into practice. And I like how you said, you know, you really have to model mm -hmm. and have integrity with different things. It's not the whole do as I say, not as I do, exactly. you know, which is so hypocritical. <laughs> Totally. And just because you're a child, it's like, oh, you can't do that. But I'm an adult, so I could do that. It doesn't work that way. No. And the other thing is that a lot of children, you know, people, we look at our children um, too often as unintelligent due to their age. And by, by that, what I mean is that we look at them and we, we assume and we impart upon them an opinion that they don't understand what's going on because mm -hmm. they're little yeah. or they're young. And they get it. And so it, it's you, you must understand that yes there's a hierarchy in a household obviously mommy and daddy are responsible for that child but we are not in a position of dominion mm -hmm. we don't dominate them we don't control them we lovingly direct yes disciplined yes but the operative word was lovingly and by example and so it's really important um, that a child understand that they're valuable they're little they don't have the same rights and privileges as mommy and daddy, but they're valuable. Mm. And when you show someone, I can do something that you can't do, they feel less than. And, and that's a very important point is to know, look, you don't have the same rules as mommy and daddy. You're little now. When you're an adult, you'll have this, the ability to do these things. But for now, you have to wait. You're just little. But the important part is that you explain to them that they're still valuable. And I think, um, yeah, a lot of kids, they miss that and they want that. They mm -hmm. want to be valuable. That is the most basic human need is to be seen, yeah, um, to be loved, to be valued. And that doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter race, level of success, gender, nothing. Mm -hmm. 
the, the most common human need is to feel loved and to feel valued. And that Definitely. doesn't change because you're seven. Yeah. <laughs> you still need that. In fact, I think there's a lot of really big gaping wounds in adults because they didn't feel loved and valued when they were seven. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's, it's upon us now that we know better and we're in a position of enlightenment in terms of biblical uh, principles, um, and how important it is to be loving and compassionate. Uh, now we have to do better because we know better. Definitely. And we don't just get to say, well, that's not how I was raised. Yeah. I'm just like, so that we're just going to do it that way. Right. And I think I love what you said too, is really explaining to children different things. That's mm -hmm. a huge thing. Cause some people, you know, don't do that or don't do this, but you're not explaining to the, to the kids why. And that's huge. Cause like I said, they're sponges. Like, mm -hmm. um, me and my fiance were talking about this, um, on the way home yesterday in preparation for this. And I asked him, you know, what is something that you wish your parents would have done with you more? And he said to explain things to me, mm, not just tell heavy. me, yeah, not just tell me not to do it or you have to do this, but really explain to me why, what, how is it going to hurt me if I do? Or why is this beneficial for me? Right. Instead of just do it, right. you know? And that's something he thinks that he really wants to implement with our kids someday is to really mm -hmm. have those conversations and be able to have an expl explanation for why we're telling them to do certain things. I love that you just said that. And thank you for the vulnerability in that because I think, again, we misinterpret parenthood for domination. Mm -hmm. And so how often, I mean... Depending on the situation, every parent has said at some point, because I said so, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just because I said so. And that could be because it's a three-year-old who said, why 75,000 times today? Well, why mm -hmm. this and why that? Yes. And, and, you, know, you get <laughs> exasperated. I get it. But the thing is, when you're parenting, it's important for a child to know why. And it's important for them to feel like they're communicated with rather than dominated over. Yes. And so I probably did this to a fault with Ryder because I explained everything, <laughs> why it's good, why it's bad. And I think as you were saying it, you know what kind of hit me is that we are in just such a fast paced world of um, force feeding entertainment. Mm -hmm. And and it's such an instant gratification um, type of society. Like we have these in our hands all day long. Yes. And whether it be a computer or a cell phone or whatever, we are so distracted. This is a distraction, but it feels almost necessary. Like, well, I have to see, did somebody call me? Yeah. Did somebody text me? What's on social media? Yep. And it's and constantly it's, going off. Constantly. And it's so consuming. And, and I'm not, listen, this is, I know a lot of people are attached to this for work for valid purposes. I'm not saying abandon your responsibilities. I get it. What I'm saying is that I think what oftentimes when we say, um, because I said so, or I'm not, just do it because or whatever, comes from a place of irritation and impatience. Mm -hmm. It's not that we don't love our children. We just don't feel in that moment we have either the time or the desire to get down to eye level and explain it to him. Mm -hmm. And so like with my son, I would do that. I would literally get down on his level. If it was down on my knees and explain to him why something was valuable, why something was dangerous, why something was necessary so that he didn't feel like he was just being talked at. Mm -hmm. He was being communicated with there's a huge difference. Even me as an adult, I don't want to be talked at. Yes. I want to be communicated with. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to say that and to, to try and do it without being impatient because impatience and irritation carries a level of tension that is palpable. Regardless of the words that come out of your mouth, 
you know before someone speaks that they're irritated and impatient. Yeah. It's a body posture. Mm -hmm. It's an energy. And so when we take that energy and that negativity and we attach it to the, because I said so, then the child's like, oh, I, I, I'm not even worthy of an explanation. I'm not worthy of a conversation. Just I have to do it just because, and I don't even know why I'm doing it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And we cannot assume that our kid knows why something needs to be done or how. We need to patiently instruct them. Because I'm guilty of it. I've caught myself asking Ryder to do something and then be irritated that he didn't do it right or whatever and then like wait he has no idea what i'm talking about you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like you know the first time go back in the floor well what do i do you know what i mean it's yeah. like you have to take the time to explain to them not just what to do but lovingly tell them how to do it mm -hmm. and um it's it's so important that they feel empowered rather than dominated mm -hmm. and my son is a really good example. He'll help me with just about anything and he's good at it. And he understands why I ask him and when it needs to be done. And he'll just go do it because I haven't, I don't yell at him and tell him what to do because mommy said so. Sweetheart, could you please vacuum for mommy? I'm really busy today and I need your help. Mm -hmm. See the difference in the conversation? Mm -hmm. It's no longer being dominated or dictated to. It's like, can you partner with me in this? Because yeah. I need your help. Mm -hmm. And he's more than willing to do it because that's the way he's been raised this whole time. He doesn't do things, you know, uh, out of um, fear of punishment. He does things because he's partnering with me in that moment to help me. Yeah, and because you've been gentle when you've taught him and told him how to do things. And like you said, I think that's important that because a lot of parents do like shout at them mm -hmm. or try and dictate them, <clears throat> just like what you were saying, instead of partnering with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and again, it has often the impatience and the, the tension that can come from something like that has nothing to do with the poor child. Yeah. It's, you know, mommy's got a thousand things to do. Yes. Mommy just came from work yes. and mommy's tired. And mommy's this and mommy's that. Notice how baby's not in that equation, you know, mm -hmm. mommy, mommy, mommy. And we wear so many hats as parents mm -hmm. uh, and we have so many titles and responsibilities that need to be fulfilled before we get to mommy that day. And so it's really important, you know, maybe, maybe it means you got to get up an hour earlier. Yeah. And do some things to create margin in your day so that you're not impatient with little Johnny, you know, and these are things that are not convenient, mm -hmm. but they're so valuable Yeah, and they're so beneficial. Uh, the other thing is a child needs to feel safe and it's so critical. And sometimes we look at things on a very basic level, like, what do you mean safe? They live in a home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we have a door that keeps us safe from the outside. Yeah. You know, what do you mean? My kid is safe. Mm -hmm. No, a kid needs to feel safe to make a mistake. Mm. A kid needs to feel safe to not have all the answers. A kid needs to feel safe that when mommy says, hey, can you help me go vacuum? Sure, mommy. How do I do that? Mm -hmm. Like a kid needs to feel like they can be imperfect and not know everything and still be valuable. Mm hmm and sometimes when we when we make a mistake, we are so attacked and yelled at and belittled that now we feel invaluable or stupid or incompetent because we made a mistake. Yep. We all make mistakes. And so I I've tried to think about it like this. If I was in a situation with another adult and I didn't know how to do something, or if I made a mistake or broke something or forgot something or spilled something, do I want that other adult yelling at me? Mm. No. Nope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a mistake is a mistake, whether you're yeah. 42 or seven. Yes. You yes. know what I mean? An accident is an accident. I'm mm. famous for like dropping things and things falling. I'm just famous for it. And I always have 
I always have been. Even as a child, I would like knock over my milk at the dinner table. I'm just clumsy. It's not, it's just a thing. It's 42 years of the same thing. And the thing is, do I, would I want another adult yelling at me for mm-hmm. that? No. And it's a mistake. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm 42 and shouldn't, probably shouldn't be making that mistake. But the reality is when you yell at a child, it's so startling. Mm-hmm. When an authority figure yells at you and raises their voice, you know, ah, and you're like, it's just this guttural reaction inside your soul. And like, oh God, here it comes. Oh, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. Oh, I'm going to get yelled at. It was mm-hmm. just a mistake, mommy. And you don't want to make your children feel that way. Yeah. Okay, honey, you made a mistake. Can you try harder next time? Maybe you put your glass a little further from your plate so you won't hit it. Mm-hmm. Rather than attack and belittle, let's come to a solution together. How can mm-hmm. we communicate and mm-hmm. partner in this so that we can avoid this mistake in the future? What a different approach, right? <laughs> yeah. What a different approach. Yeah. But as moms, you're like, I'm busy. I just, I, I'm so tired. I just made dinner. Now you, ah, oh, now you spill the milk. And I gotta stop yeah. what I'm doing. Stop eating. Clean. Like, see how things have a domino yes. effect of irritation, and then the child gets the brunt of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just, it's being very self-aware of your body, your words, your posture, what kind of energy you're creating. And women and mothers, we have a, an amazing power to be the thermostat for our home. Mm-hmm. We can set the temperature, the tone, mm-hmm. the mode, the mood, uh, and how we uh, partner with each other, how we communicate with each other. And so this is not to make us feel, and as I'm talking, I'm really coming from experience and I'm not putting anyone down who snaps at their kids or anyone down who yells at their kids. All I'm saying is there's another way. And oftentimes making those mistakes says, okay, there has to be another way. So this mm-hmm. is not meant to um, shame anyone or make anyone feel bad. And if you're listening and this, this is touching your heart, you should feel empowered that there is an opportunity to improve it and change it. Yeah, definitely. And I like how you said also about the communication part. Like I feel like so many times, even like when I was younger, they would just talk at you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. one of the things I wish I had more when I was a child is just to be heard. Mm-hmm. Like my voice to matter, yeah. you know, not just you're going to do it this way. And it's like, well, I feel like I want to do something like this or like this. And there's like, no, mm-hmm. you know, just completely shut you down just because you're smaller. Right. And it makes you feel like your opinions don't matter, right. which I think is super important, too. And that's something I really want to do with my kids is make their voice valuable and make sure that they feel heard as well. Right. Even if they're wrong, you know, you can still tell them and talk, like have a conversation about them, but at least they are feeling like their opinion matters and that they're heard. Absolutely. And there's places and spaces where we can do what the seven-year-old wants. And then there's places and spaces where that doesn't make sense. Yes. But again, it's the communication. It's Mm -hmm. the seeing and felt heard. So maybe, you know, maybe you're not going to employ the opinion of a seven-year-old on a critical thing. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. But... But on other things, and you can you can make it the trivial, you can make it about dinner. Honey, do you want option A or option B? I'd love your opinion. Yeah. And it's inconsequential in life, mm-hmm. but the child goes, oh, I matter. You want my opinion? And they yeah. don't understand that, like, it's just rather, baby, do you want chicken nuggets or mac and cheese? Yeah. You're, not, you're not budgeting the household. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not yeah. something that has a major implication on the family. But again, it's getting down on their level, eyeball to eyeball and saying, I see you, you Mm -hmm. matter to me. Your happiness matters to me. Your integrity and your character matter to me. And regardless of the issue, doing that for another human being, I want that at 42. Mm -hmm. 
I want that for people that I am in their space and who I'm in relationship with. I create that yeah. now as a grown woman. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that um, it, in my opinion, it creates a really, really deep scar in the character development and the, the self-esteem and the self-worth of someone who doesn't feel like their parents love them and care for them or pay Absolutely. attention to them or validate them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of wounded adults um, out there. And the, the thing is, like I said, knowing better is really a commission to do better. So like I said earlier that, well, that's not how I was raised. So I'm going to, you don't continue. You don't perpetuate the mistake just because that's what you know. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Maybe you want to do different and you don't know and you don't have the tools. Ask somebody. Mm -hmm. Ask a friend. Go go to a class. Go to a therapist. Go to a friend. Don't, don't perpetuate the same mistakes because there is generational sin and there are generational curses. Yep. And a lot of it comes from lack of communication and an, an inability to see past the mistakes that were made to you. Mm -hmm. And so it's so critical. It's just so critical that we don't look at children as people that we need to control until they move out at 18. Yeah. No, these are people that we're raising up who are going to be productive members of society, productive and loving members of a family. Yeah. And when you look at it in that broader 30,000 foot view, you're like, oh, how I raise this kid actually matters. Yep. Because in five years, he's going to be out of my house. But... In, in my opinion, he is going to move into another one mm -hmm. and create a family where he's going to have these tools and this emotional intelligence. And he's going to have the confidence to go, okay, I can learn from my mom's mistakes. I can be a better dad than my dad. I can be, yeah. you know, I can be a better listener than my mom, whatever the case may be. I'm hoping that he can see that I tried, mm -hmm. see where I messed up and praise God, fix it. Yeah. Don't, don't say, well, my mom, my mom was a failure on this area, but I'm going to keep doing it because yeah. that's all I know. Exactly. You know what I mean? I really hope that he's able to recognize what hurt him mm -hmm. and then not do the same thing again. Yeah, absolutely. And also, like, with the communication piece, I think another thing my fiancé and I talked about mm -hmm. was communicating about the hard things. Like, you know, those untouchable things, sex, mm -hmm. drugs, mm -hmm. alcohol, um, you know, mm -hmm. like how to do your taxes, just different things like that, yeah. that weren't really talked about, but it's not things you just like learn like, or you learn them from the wrong people. And I think that has huge implications as well. I think the biggest thing we can do is just be authentic and vulnerable mm -hmm. and honest and don't try to hide your children from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. Let them learn from your mistakes. Yeah. So my son and I have had some gnarly conversations, you know, he'll ask me, mom, what's your biggest regret? Ooh. <laughs> just fine. No, just Alphabetical or chronological? <laughs> what am I saying? But, but to tell him truly what my deepest regrets are, hope to God will go, oh, well, maybe I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to, to have those deep conversations and you absolutely have to talk to your children about um, things that have moral and kingdom implications mm -hmm. like sex, marriage, parenting, money, career mm -hmm. choice. I mm -hmm. mean, all of these things. And I didn't have the tools or the knowledge on a lot of those things yeah. until I was well into my parenting years. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not necessarily that my parents didn't have uh, conversations with me and try to prepare me for life, but I've just learned so much in, in my adulthood mm -hmm. that I hope to be able to impart upon Ryder um, with age-appropriate conversation, of course. But um, I think when you talk um, authentically, to your children, 
and you make mistakes, um, I think they actually value you and appreciate you more for being humble. Mm -hmm. uh, like last week, I don't know what was happening and I was irritated and I was frustrated and I was rushing around and getting stuff done and going, getting right into the football field. And I don't even know what it was, but I snapped at him. I don't even remember like hurry up or I don't know. I don't remember something in the car and I totally snapped at him and like, Pretty quickly, in the same 15-minute car ride, I was like, oh, Ryder, I'm sorry, Mommy's just not having a good day. And I am just tired and I'm irritable. And I don't even really know why. I just have a lot on my plate and I am so sorry I spoke to you like that. And he's like, it's okay, Mom. I go, it's really not, Ryder. Don't don't pacify me. I'm apologizing to you sincerely. I love you and I don't ever want you to, make, to feel, uh, to be made to feel like you're the cause of my irritation because you're not. Mm -hmm. And I just want to be clear. I love you and I'm sorry I shouldn't talk to you like that. He's like, oh, mom. <laughs> and so, so like literally two days later, we're leaving the base, the football field and he hadn't had a great practice. He wasn't happy with himself. And we were just kind of talking about it. And I asked him a question and then he kind of was just, you know, giving me all this information. And I said, right, he didn't answer my question. And he snapped at me and I said, oh my gosh. And Ryder goes, mom, I'm sorry. I'm just irritated. I didn't have a good practice and I shouldn't talk to you like that. And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> victory like oh, I snapped at him it wasn't his fault I'm human I'm flawed he did the same thing to me but I mean within minutes mm -hmm. we caught it mm -hmm. and apologized we identified the problem apologized for the problem and bonded more so I loved him more in that moment and I was so grateful for his humility and I'm like oh this must have been how he felt when I talked to him this way and so it yeah. was a perfect real life example of like, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to be perfect. I know I can't be, I'm not asking Ryder to be perfect, but when we make mistakes to have the humility to apologize and then move to correct it, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. And so I was so, oh my gosh, was, I was so happy in that moment. And I just, it was so endearing. And I just felt like we loved each other so much. Mm. It was really, it was beautiful. It was, <laughs> yeah. Well, we both screwed up, but it was like, we, it was beautiful to yeah. be able to see that. I'm like, I hope when this happens in his marriage that he'll do the same, mm. you know, because again, nobody expects perfection, but it, when we can be honest and loving toward one another and, and humble, it does so much to bridge a gap of hurt. Oh, absolutely. I love that. <laughs> right. Of such a good thing. I know. <laughs> I'm biased, but yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, another thing too, I think is important. It's really being able to be present with them. Like you said, like with technology, there's just so much going on all the time. And even for apparently, you know, two parents at work mm -hmm. so much. Mm -hmm. Like what advice do you have for working parents who are just so busy? How can they stay present with their child? Uh, I have been super blessed to be a stay-at-home mom most mm -hmm. of Ryder's life. And I, it's unbelievably huge, that blessing, but it's not possible for most families. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, and you know, I kind of do a pun here, like a little play on words, like the best present you can give them is your presence. Mm -hmm. And for young children, like I can't tell you how many days or hours or minutes that my mom sat and talked with me or my dad sat and talked with me or whatever. I don't, there's no timing of those things. Mm -hmm. I can tell you how they made me feel. So whether I was with them for five minutes or five hours, I can yeah. tell you how I felt during those interactions. I can tell you if I felt like a burden. I can tell you if I felt loved. I can tell you if I felt ignored. I can tell you if I felt engaged. Um, so it's not about the time. So I want to encourage parents who are either working or divorced or whatever your situation may be where you feel like you're not spending the time with your child that you would like to. 
I want to encourage you that the time doesn't matter. It's how you make them feel, how you interact with them, how you engage them, and how after being with you, how they feel when they're not with you. Meaning, okay, I felt like I was loved by my mom last week when we hung out or whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. And that goes for every age. I'm an adult. I love spending time with my mom whenever I get to see her. It's just, it, I cherish it so much. Mm -hmm. I, I cherish time with my parents. That's not a seven-year-old versus a 47-year-old thing. <sighs> That's just parent to child, you know? And so, but again, I want to feel engaged with. I want to feel communicated with. I want to feel loved by, seen by, you know, validated and appreciated by them and vice versa. And so I think one of the biggest discouragements for a lot of people is, well, you know, either I can't spend enough time with them or I can't give them enough or whatever. The best thing you can give them is your attention uh, and your appreciation and to show them that they matter. They matter mm -hmm. and they need to feel that. And if they don't feel that, that's when you're going to get in trouble. You can spend 24 hours a day with them and be stuck on your phone or snapping at them. And that 24 hours is going to cause more damage than good. Mm. So it's not about time. It's about how you spend that time as an encouragement. Um, and so I, I cherish the time with Ryder and I want to make, make sure that he knows, look, this is my time with you. What do you want to do? Mm. I actually asked Ryder, I said, Ryder, can you give me some advice for parents like to show kids that they love them or what can you do? And he always said, show interest in what they're interested in. <laughs> so smart. <laughs> and it cracks me up. Yeah. Like video games. I asked yeah. him one day, hey, what do you want mommy to do with you? This is you and mommy got two hours. What do you want to do? He's like, can you watch me play video games? I was like, sure, baby. I'll do that. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Although the video games nowadays look like movies, so that's, it wasn't so bad. But but I have no video game desires of any kind. Yeah. But I just laid on his bed with him, and we snuggled, and he played video games, and he just felt seen. And we were talking, and he was telling me, Mom, I'm doing this, and I'm going there, and look mm -hmm. at this, and how cool I built this, and you know what I mean? Yeah, and he was showing you everything in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and just, here's the thing. I didn't even do anything. I just sat there. Yeah. But he felt like I was showing interest in something that I'm pretty sure he knows I care not for. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was even more valuable. He knows I have no desire to do that. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I would spend my time with him trying to enjoy something that he enjoys was so critical to him. And he was so appreciative when I finally left, I had to make dinner. And when I finally left, he goes, mom, this was great. I just was, I was so happy that he was happy. Yeah. And so it was little things like that, but from a 13 year old, just show interest in what your kids are interested in. Yeah. I love that. What you said too, it's really, isn't the length of time no. that you spend with them. It's just how intentional you are with them. Mm -hmm. uh, I love that. Yeah. Another topic too. I think that's really important. I've seen, you know, from teaching aspects to children who have parents that are divorced, mm. you know, and you obviously know a lot Present. about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, sometimes like even, um, I've had friends who their parents would put the child against the other parent, Ooh. you know, or be like, they had one of my friends had a car and was like, well, I'm going to take it away. If you don't stay with me this weekend and, or choose your mom and go with her, I'm going to take your car away. You know, just different things like that, that just put the child in the middle. I think it's so devastating. It's absolutely devastating. And the reality is that that is coming from a place of hurt still in that relationship. It really mm -hmm. has nothing to do with the, with the parenting at all. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's not to say that the parent A desires parent B any longer mm -hmm. either. That's not the point. It's just sometimes there's such deep, painful wounds in a mommy daddy relationship mm -hmm. that mommy or daddy just cannot get past it. 
And once there's a separation, divorce, whatever the case may be, or just, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend broke up, um, there is so much hatred and pain there. They are no longer in each other's lives except for this innocent child. Mm -hmm. So there's two worlds that are connected by this beautiful little innocent child. And so now the only way that they can continue to hurt that other person is this child. And it's devastating, mm -hmm. absolutely devastating. I have told my son a million times, honey, you need to love your dad and you need to feel loved by him. And I will never get in the way of that, mm -hmm. ever. Um, that takes a lot of emotional maturity. You know, I've been through it. Yes. And so uh, it takes a lot of emotional maturity. Um, but really, that is the way that you're supposed to act. Uh, it's not always easy. Um, but I serve and I have devoted my life to a God of reconciliation and restoration. Uh, and that God is capable of doing anything. And he's at work in places we don't see. Mm -hmm. It's not my job to govern my son's father. It is not my job to like him or dislike him. It's my job to raise a child that has a relationship with his dad, who loves his dad and feels loved by his dad. Mm -hmm. That's it. No more, no less. And I think we allow our emotions, especially in the beginning of a relationship. Oh, yeah. Um, over time, you know, time heals all wounds, as they say. Mm -hmm. um, but I think in the beginning, when a child is made to feel like they have to choose or they feel guilt or shame for loving the other parent, it mm. is so destructive yes. to their development. And ironically, I think that it ends up shooting the, the hateful parent in the foot mm -hmm. because children are not stupid. Again, um, they might not understand everything that's going on, but they want to love both parents. But mommy wants me to hate daddy. Mm -hmm. They know that there's something wrong with that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not, I'm not talking on who's the good, bad parent or none of that. It doesn't matter. A child needs to feel loved by both parents. Mm -hmm. It's that simple for yeah. their development. So if you want to do your child a favor, you want to do the most loving, amazing thing you can do for your child, let them love the other parent. Let them see the other parent. That is by far the best thing that you can do. It's not always easy. Mm -hmm. um, we don't get any prizes for maturity, but it's righteousness and our God is watching. And he rewards obedience and he rewards uh, righteousness. And he, he will be there to protect us. And our children are God's children first. And he'll be with them. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that. It's not about the parents, you know, mm -hmm. it's not about them hating each other. It's about the child yeah. and what's best for them. Mm -hmm. And then that goes into another whole thing about, uh, and so my, um, my son's father and I are divorced. And so there's even just this subliminal urge, a need to be the loved parent. Like it's just subliminal. Mm -hmm. So it's not to alienate the other parent, but like you want your kid to love you and to love being with you. And it, it, it'll hurt if they want to be with the other parent or the other mm. parent is cool or doing something cool or taking them somewhere cool or buying them stuff. And there's this competition and I need to be loved and I need yeah. my kid to want to be with me. And it's just, it's so consuming. Forget the hate of the other person or anything that happened in the, in the relationship prior to the separation, but then the co-parenting. And so it's so common that parents are afraid to parent their child in a divorce. Mm. Because what if I discipline little Johnny and then little Johnny wants to stay with daddy? So I'm going to be a doormat and a pushover because I don't want little Johnny to go live with daddy. I mean, it's the uh, worst thing you can do. Yes. And you're not going to win any popularity points. Okay. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I know I, I feel like I am the stricter parent and Ryder will say it. I've heard him tell other people, oh yeah, my mom, my mom is really strict. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> but your wife will thank me later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's hard to hear those things. It's hard. That's mm -hmm. a reality. Like if you're, you know, parents and, and manipulative 
co-parenting happens all the time where the other parent will play the bad, the good cop and let you be the bad cop. And, mm-hmm. and so it's just, it's very challenging and it just goes to everything we say in every podcast, just do what's right. Do what's righteous, do what's godly, and God will figure out the rest. If you try to outwork God, and if you try to manipulate the system or the situation, it's going to blow up in your face every time. Just be a good, righteous parent with good moral character, and God will handle the rest. You'll exhaust yourself. More than likely, you'll shoot yourself in the foot. Um, more than likely, your kid will see through it at some point anyway, and you're just not going to do anybody any favors, much less yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And that brings us into our last topic that I really want to discuss is disciplining children. Mm. You know, how do you discipline them in a godly way? So I like how you're saying too, like sometimes a parent won't even discipline their child. And I, that is the worst thing you can do. We all know those kids who have no discipline and they're running around like little monsters and just, you know, like being disrespectful and things like that. Um, I that's terrible. It's terrible to me to see when parents don't discipline them. But then there's also, you know, the other extreme, the parents who just like are constantly on their child and just yelling at them. So what what is what does godly discipline look like? I'm definitely not an expert. <laughs> Maybe you should ask Ryder. <laughs> but, um, no. like <laughs> I think um, you just said the word pendulum. So you want the pendulum to be in the middle mm-hmm. where it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to swing too far either way. You mm-hmm. don't want to be a helicopter controlling, dominating, nasty, irritated, impatient parent. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be a doormat who turns the other way when little Johnny is misbehaving. You have to meet in the middle. And the only way to do that is in, with a godly perspective. Um, and the Bible tells us a lot, like some of the Bible verses that we picked out. And, and you know, this one kind of goes back a little bit to what we were talking about, but I love it. Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Mm. And so don't provoke them, meaning don't antagonize them. Mm-hmm. Don't pick at them. Don't nitpick. Don't criticize. Don't, don't be nasty because it will discourage. It will break their spirit. On the other side, the Bible says, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. Mm-hmm. You have to have discipline. Um, this one here, uh, Proverbs 27, excuse me, Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give you delight to your heart. And this one also, Hebrews 12, 11, No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Amen. Uh-huh. But painful. <laughs> Later on, even when you're 42, (laughs) later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Mm. So you have to discipline and direct. Mm. You have to have consequences. You have to set boundaries. And when those are breached, when you are disrespected and the child is going against the rules, you have to discipline and you have to remain firm. You have to. So if you say, if you do blank, blank offense, then your punishment is no video games. Yeah two weeks grounding, you have to adhere to the punishment. Otherwise they're going to learn that your words don't matter mm-hmm. and they're just going to walk all over you. And that's not a bad child. That's just a child yeah. or human. Yeah. Um, so that's important that you, whatever consequence you establish that you maintain it. But secondly, do it with love um, and show them that when they are being disciplined, it's not in the absence of love. Mm. That's critical mm. that you are disciplining them because you love them because they need to be redirected, but not because they are not loved. And that's hard to do mm-hmm. when emotions are high. Absolutely. I think a lot of the times people will separate that when mm-hmm. it really does need to be one. Right. You can't, you don't just show them like anger and hatred. You discipline them, but out of love. And that's critical. 
what you just said just just brought something to mind. We have to discipline from a position of righteous parenting, not out of anger. Oftentimes we discipline and we impose a punishment and we yell and holler and scream and tell them what they did wrong and tell them how they're going to be punished out of our frustration and our anger. Not not because we're giving them a heavenly direction as to how to improve, but because we've had it. Mm. And that's an important thing to remember. You don't just attack your kid because you're frustrated or angry or they broke something or they disrespected you or hurt you or made you angry. You discipline them to direct them toward righteousness. And that's where we go wrong. Mm. Absolutely. So yeah, all that to say that your discipline should be an extension of love, not in the absence of love. Mm. And that's hard to do when emotions are high and you're frustrated. And God forbid your kid talks back to you. In that moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's, it's really hard to do. So, you know, sometimes you have to raise your voice because, you know, nice mommy voice doesn't get the attention that it needs in that moment to convey, okay, this is serious. We're having a different conversation now. And so it's really important that um, even in the, in the moment, in the heat of the moment, even if you're displaying your displeasure or your disappointment, that's okay. But it doesn't mean that your love goes away. And Mm -hmm. so um, you need to make sure that the child knows that when they're being disciplined, it does not mean that you don't love them or care for them or want to be near them. Uh, I'll give you an example. This happened years ago. So Ryder's 13. This probably happened at least maybe four years ago. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember what it was, but Ryder did something that disrespected me in my perception. And it was almost, it was more of a talk back situation, not like a mistake or he broke something like a defiance, disrespect, you know, and he said something to me and I sent him to his room. And it's okay to say to your kids, like, mommy is really, really frustrated right now. Mommy's really irritated right now. Or mommy's really angry right now. And I don't want to say something that I don't mean and I don't want to be hurtful. So you need to go to your room and we'll just think about it for a minute. It's okay to say that. Mm -hmm. It's better to say I'm really blank. I'm really angry. I'm really frustrated. I'm really irritated. I'm really upset because those are real feelings that we all feel. Mm -hmm. It's okay to, to naturally and honestly, you know, convey that to your kid. And then just take a quick time out because it's in those moments that we say things that we regret um, rather than discuss the problem, we make it personal. Mm-hmm. So instead of you made a bad choice, it's like, why the hell can you get this right? Why did you do that? What were you thinking? You know, those kind of really hurtful things that like cut them to their character, mm-hmm. to their core. So they feel attacked as a person versus, oh, I, I made a bad choice. And so it's okay to say, I'm really upset. I'm really angry. Send him to the room. And so that's what had happened. He, I don't remember what he said, but it, it stung. And so I sent him to his room and it was kind of close to bedtime. And so finally when bedtime rolled around, I went upstairs and just like every single night I laid with him and I cuddled him and I said, you know, I love you, baby. And he said, well, mom, I, I said, whatever. He's like, and I upset you. I said, yeah, you really did. You really upset me, Ryder. That was really disappointing. And I felt really disrespected. And all of a sudden, he, I just felt him shake. Like, you know, when you're crying? And I felt his whole body shaking. And I was like, wow, why are you crying? And he goes, well, Mom, I hurt you, but you still love me. You're still cuddling me. And, oh, it melted my heart and it hit so much. And I said, oh, baby, when, when I'm upset with you, it doesn't mean I don't love you. And see how closely connected those two are. And we just both sat there holding each other and crying because it was such a deep moment of, baby, when I'm upset with you, 
I don't stop loving you. Mm. And it was really important in that moment to explain to him, that's what God does with us. We are God's children. He's our heavenly father. We disappoint him all the time. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I've disappointed him all day today. Yeah. And so we disappoint him all the time. And we step outside the boundaries of, of his um, plans for us. And it doesn't separate us from him, though. And it doesn't change how much he loves us. Yeah, he's disappointed with us. And yeah, well, there's going to be a consequence often. And there's going to be a disciplinary action from our Heavenly Father. There's consequences for our behavior. But again, it doesn't separate us from his love. Nothing can separate us from God's love. And so in that moment, it was just so profound. I mean, we sat there and cried practically ourselves to sleep because it was just such a deep moment. And it was, it was really evident to me that in that moment, my little boy now disconnected discipline from hatred mm. or discipline from, from the absence of love. And he was able to see that discipline can be loving and you can express disappointment and you can impose a punishment and it still means that mommy loves you. And it was such a powerful moment. And I know now moving forward that when I get upset with him or when he reaps the, the consequence of a bad decision or when he disrespects or disobeys me, he knows he will get a punishment but that mommy still loves him. Do you, mm. do you see how profound yes, that is? That's so important. It was, it was huge. Mm -hmm. And so from that moment on, I was like, you know what? I just need to be able to communicate clearly what's going on rather than to attack him personally. Definitely. Rather than to, you know, scream my head off because I'm angry or I feel disrespected and look at the bigger picture. And so from that moment, like don't connect discipline with the restriction of love and, um, you know, disappointment doesn't destroy your love. Yeah. And so I just, I reiterate that all the time with him. And he's so confident in that. So he now knows now like, okay, if I do something wrong, there's going to be a consequence and we'll get through it. And mommy still loves me. And tomorrow's a new day. Yes. And so often I think we don't, we don't have that experience. So we associate disappointment and discipline with, um, you know, I'm bad mm -hmm. and I'm wrong and I'm not good. And mommy doesn't love me. And when that happens as a small child, you carry that into adulthood and then you carry it into romantic relationships mm -hmm. and, and the ripple effect is so profound. And then guess what? You take it from that relationship to when you're parenting. Yeah. And so it's really important to make that connection that discipline can coexist with love, just like God loves us regardless of being disappointed with us. I think it's so important. And if that's the one thing from parenting that comes out is like, you know, model with integrity, yep. live honestly and humbly with your child communicate don't dictate uh, partner with them yeah in in the happy and peaceful unity of the household and when you do have the discipline because you do yes is that you do it with love so that they know that no matter what mommy still loves me and we can talk about it yeah i think the worst thing you could do is make your child feel like they're not loved exactly and i love how you made that connection too with like we're god's children and he disciplines us but it's always with love Exactly. Even though it doesn't feel like it at the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Later, we, we, but we know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so uh, my last verse that I really want to get in there is um, Proverbs thirty-one twenty-eight. Her children rise up and call her blessed. And so I, as a child of my mother, can really testify to this, that I was disciplined, rightfully so, on many occasions. And now when I look back on it, I feel so blessed that I was redirected and that I was disciplined for the greater good, mm -hmm. for my good, ultimately. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm just so blessed. So now when I look back at it, you know, I, I've risen up. I'm their child, but now I'm a parent. And I feel so blessed by that. And I honor them for that. And like I told my, my son, I'm 42. 
my mommy's not going to put me in a timeout, but I still want to be the best me I can be to honor them and to honor my Heavenly Father. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's such good advice. And especially like for me too, and for all of us who aren't parents, like just to really think about these things. Like it was really nice having this discussion with my fiance because it's true, you don't really think about it mm -hmm. until you're put in it. Yeah. But it's important because you do want to stop those generational, you know, curses, those things that were put on you from childhood that you didn't like. You can do better for your children. Amen. And that's where it stops, you Amen. know? Amen. Amen. And I'm so glad that you're doing this. And I'm so excited to be able to share this season of my life with you because I didn't have this. Yes. When I was your age and when I was in that season of preparing for a family. And I think it's so valuable. And I'm just so excited. And I hope, I hope that, you know, when things, um, when things progress and when you're in that stage of parenthood, you know, when you have a bad day or when it feels stressful to be a mom, just call me and we can talk mm -hmm. about it instead of personalizing it or talking to your kid about it. Some, you know, not every conversations for your kid. Um, so send them to a timeout and then call me and we can talk it through. And it's important to have um, people in your life, like accountability partners Definitely. and people who've, you know, been in the trenches a little longer than you who can help you and lean a hand to say, you know what, this feels really bad right now, but yeah. these things, you know, tempers flare and then it's gone and like, but the words last and the words remain. <laughs> yeah. So you want to make sure that you don't say things you regret because those little babies, they don't understand the stress that we go through. They're just mm -hmm. playing with their Legos and mom freaked out. You know, <laughs> right? like, what the heck happened? <laughs> right? Definitely. Like, I don't get it. I don't get yeah. what mom's going through. I don't get that she's stressed. I don't get she's having a bad day. I don't get it that mom and dad had an argument this morning and now exactly. mom's mad about my Legos. Like, they don't get that. They don't have the context of adult problems. So don't impose it on them through your own frustration, you know. Phone a friend. Yeah, and definitely. I'm so glad you said that and I have it on recording because <laughs> I've been calling you a lot. So perfect, perfect. You can call, you can come over. <laughs> Bring Junior. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's pray. pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the blessings, for the insight that you've showed us, Lord. There's so much trial and error in adulting, especially in parenting. It's hard enough to govern yourself. Uh, to try to be righteous and to live well. And then when you um, bring a baby into the mixture, there's just so many added stressors for mom and dad and finances. And it just becomes overwhelming at times. And we can just misplace our frustration and misplace our anger, Lord. I just thank you for community, for fellowship, for family, Lord. I am so blessed by this beautiful niece that you put in my life. And I'm so excited to be able to walk alongside her, to live through her new experiences, Lord, and the joy of uh, future with marriage and children, Lord. And hopefully some of uh, the trench work that we've done, those that have gone before her, Lord, that can bless her. And I just hope that everyone listening, Lord, that there's no shame or guilt, that there's joy uh, with this topic, Lord, and that um, the people who are parenting now, the people who parented and long before us, and the people that are parenting to come, uh, Lord, that we find joy in this moment and that... Um, that now that we know better, we can do better and that we can love and support one another to raise up good, godly children for your kingdom, yes. Lord. We thank you. We give you glory and praise in all things, our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see, see you next time. Thank you for joining us. We hope your time with us has brought you closer to God. And makes you feel equipped, empowered, and encouraged to experience Eden on this side of heaven. To connect with us, please find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day!